Hello everyone, welcome to the third and final part of our global travel series for SAP Conquer Conversations podcast. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking with Tony McGettrick from our global travel partner BCD and also Daryl McGarvey from SAP Conquer on a variety of topics and I'm really looking forward to uncovering more insights from the travel community. To get this started, Tony, could you take a few minutes to introduce yourself just in case people um, haven't watched the first two editions yet? Yes, Alistair, thank you and hello everybody again. Um, Tony McGettrick, uh, I'm the Director and VP of Sales and Marketing for BCD Travel. Uh, I've been in the organisation for around 15 years uh, and uh, as part of my overall responsibility, um, I have to win new business and help retain what we have as well as wearing my marketing hat, uh, communicate with our existing client base. Uh, my career goes way, way back to the days of Freddie Laker and his Skytrain back in the 70s and 80s. So I've had a lot of experience in this industry and I love every minute of it, despite its challenges. <laughs> There's been a few this year. Thank you very much, Tony. Been a few. <laughs> um, Daryl, over to yourself. Thanks, Alistair, and thanks, Tony. Yes, so my name is Daryl McGarvey. I'm Director of Travel here at SAP Concur as part of our UK business development team. Uh, a bit like Tony, I, I spent 15 years in, in, in the TMC space uh, before I joined SAP Concur, been here for about four years or so. And travel is one of those industries, as, as, as Tony suggests, you know, it's, it's, it's part of our lifeblood, it's, it's who we are. Our companies Concur travel and expense and travel gets first billing in my, in my mind quite rightly. Uh, and my job, you know, my role at SAP Concur is A, to support some of our global TMCs in their uh, new business activity and, and, and supporting them. Uh, but also engaging with the travel industry as part of organizations such as the ITM, the Business Travel Association, etc. So uh, for me, it's you know, pretty much a dream role. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Daryl. Um, so for the third and final podcast, we're going to cover a, a number of topics and keen to get your, your insights as, as always. Um, to kick things off on a, a lovely one, which we always like to talk about, is Brexit and the, the impact that this will have on business travellers and, and travellers in general. But I'm, I'm going to um, narrow it down um, to something that, we, that will really impact the business traveller, and it's VAT. Um, which I know is a topic that we all love to, to talk about, but specifically VAT on hotel stays and the impact um, at the end of the calendar financial year, um, obviously end of March, beginning of April, that um, due to Brexit, we're going to have to go back to a paper-based system um, with the HMRC. Um, I'll come to you first, Tony. Um, are you even covering this topic with your clients and what are they asking you for information and is the VAT issue going to be a really big one? VAT is a, is a key issue. Uh, it's incumbent upon us to keep our clients fully aware uh, of what the procedures and processes should be in order to reclaim that. Um, it's an important aspect of, uh, of any hotel uh, reconciliation process, particularly when customers are using our services to what we call build back, where the whole, whole process of uh, paying for a hotel isn't settled at point of departure, but they ask the hotel to send the bill back to us for us to then process and then pass on to the client. And that's when the VAT issue becomes very relevant. Uh, so yes, the answer to your question is we are advising our customers, telling them what they 
correct processes are. We're also engaging um, with other third-party companies in, in VAT Reclaim to use their services as well as SAP Concur to help us in supporting that process and making sure that the information is as clear as it can be and that the process is as efficient as it can be despite the fact that we're going back to a, a, an age-old paper-based process. As long as we can uh, improve that quickly and get back to an automated process, the better. Uh, it will be for all of us, but uh, we're all working together to find uh, the right solution for our clients. Brilliant. Thank you, Tony. And yeah, unfortunately, it, it does seem like we're, we're taking a step backwards. Um, but to counter that, Daryl, can you can you say a few words on um, SAP Conco's new tax assurance product with um, VATBOX that we're launching? Yeah, absolutely. It comes as no surprise as, as, as a company that's been helping companies with their expense management for many years. VAT has, has, has been a subject that we've we, we've often been talking about with our customers. Obviously, hotels, absolutely. Uh, I mean, little things, you know, the things like on-street parking doesn't attract VAT where off-street parking does. The old pasty tax in terms of hot food being taken away and cold food being taken away, those sorts of things. So actually, you know, it, it, it's, it's often been a topic of confusion amongst amongst our customers and, and, and this new solution that we've launched Alistair, as, you, as you say is is um recognizing that it's a, it's it's a challenge recognizing that actually in the current climate where companies are struggling that actually extra vat claim can matter it can you know it, it can be the difference between the between life and death of some of those customers now where you know some money back on the bottom line will certainly not be uh you know not be a harm to those organizations so yes a, a, a minefield you're right we're going back I spent most of my 20s gluing and sticking bits of paper to other bits of paper and posting them off in. <laughs> I, I would hate to get back to that kind of uh, system, I'm sure, as, as SAP Concur will find a way to modernize it as soon as possible. Uh, so yes, I hate to, be, hate to see anything taking a step backwards, but you know, VAT Reclaim is, is going to be an essential part of, of, of business strategy moving forward to make sure they, they, uh, they're delivering every penny they can to the bottom line. Brilliant. Thank you, Daryl. And I think we should update the pasty tax to the Scotch egg, Scotch egg tax, as we all now know. Um, so let's let's rephrase that. Um, brilliant. Thank you. Um, I know we just spoke about um, kind of business travellers coming in and out of the UK and the impact uh, that Brexit will have on that. But I think what, what we've all missed um, over the since the pandemic started um, has been travel events and everything's gone virtual. Um, I know we've got the business travel show, the virtual event um, happening in February, and then fingers crossed, um, the a physical event, and maybe the first one that we'll attend um, in the middle of the year at the Excel building. Um, but I'm be really keen over the past. Um, 12 months or so your views on how successful virtual events have actually been um and daryl can i come to you first on that one you can thank you i, I think the, the biggest change for me has been the scope of the audience the one limiting factor of any in-person event is geography you know you, you you book a venue for a certain a certain size a certain scale and, and, and you fill it or not uh, actually, by doing things virtual, we've been able, to, certainly from our events, things like Concur Fusion, um, some, of the, some of the partner events we've attended, some of the BTA sessions and ITM sessions, we're finding that there's hundreds of atten attendees joining now from all across Europe because people can just dial in. So I think you know, to, to, the, the range of content that has been delivered this year is exceptional. The way our TMCs and, and, and travel organizations have adapted their content to be able to deliver it to a virtual audience is, is superb. And I'm, I'm certainly proud of the industry for how, how that's evolved. 
Uh, I'm sure Tony's the same as me. I can't wait to get back to meet people in person and have the have the have the drink afterwards and the, and the social activity at the end of the presentations and the content. But I think that you know, the one, one thing I would call out is, is just that we've we've been able to attract and engage a much wider audience virtually than we perhaps we ever could in person. Brilliant. Um, yeah, and I couldn't agree more about actually meeting some people in in in, in person. Um, Tony, um, have you got similar views or or, or, or different take on things? Uh, I, I I have. We've um, we've had a successful period of um, uh, virtual presentations now that we have learnt how to use them properly, and we have uh, also developed through our own meetings and events division within. BCD, uh, a very successful process where um, we've encouraged companies now to use a virtual process for conferences, for general messages that has to go across hundreds, if not thousands of employees. That's been extremely successful, which has basically replaced the face-to-face uh, -face meetings. But we're all looking forward to getting back to, to meeting folk. Um, and I'm uh, keenly aware that whilst we have a number of virtual events still in the pipeline that are planned uh, later this year, I also see now some plans for actual face-to-face -face meetings as well, um, which we're thoroughly looking forward to. And there's nothing better than networking. Um, and as the saying goes, you, you, you can't stay competitive, I don't think, without meeting people and traveling to various events either. So. Um, I'm looking forward to that moment, but but we have improved the way we have communicated now through virtual events, and they're far more professional than they were when we first started out, which were a little bit, um, uh, shall we say, uh, academic and um, amateur uh, is the best way I can describe. I, yeah, thank you, Tony, and also Daryl, and and Tony, I think you're absolutely right. I mean from the first virtual events that I attended, it's, it's a world away from, from, from what they are like now. And the experience is just phenomenal and how quickly businesses have got more up to speed with the sort of tools that they're using and how to deliver them. I think that's one of the key points. Um, brilliant. Okay, let, let's uh, move on to a, a different sort of topic around new technologies. Um, and it's not a technology per se on a computer, but a new method of a mode of transport. We, we've all, heard of the news uh, for a while now about e-scooters um, but um, something that's just, that just cropped up Bournemouth Council have launched an e-scooter trial um, where they're trying to encourage the new mode of transport obviously it's environmentally friendly um, but there is also this safety aspect um, like a bicycle it's not mandatory to wear a, um, a helmet which is a bit odd um, I want to just cover off the duty of care topic with you both and and also travel policy how quickly should companies update travel policies because i know these are all over the country and tony I, when we first chatted you mentioned that you'd um, experienced them in, in a different country as well so to you first i love e-scooters i think they're absolutely brilliant but i think they're also uh, potential death traps um <laughs> i was fortunate enough to use e-scooters went to um, San Diego, uh, which across the city, they use e-scooters everywhere. They do encourage people to use the roads, but guess what? People don't. They use footpaths as well. Uh, I've seen very sort of many near misses, uh, I have to say, and um, also they don't have to wear helmets. And it was interesting talking to the local population 
that suddenly there's an influx of um, uh, people heading to the hospital with various injuries, particularly head injuries uh, and various other injuries mm -hmm. as, as the scooters can go up to 15, 20 miles per hour. So they're, they're, they're pretty nimble. Um, and whilst I think they're great fun, it's a brilliant way to get around uh, any particular city or location. I can't imagine many companies are going to allow their employees to encourage them to use this without the proper safety regulations and the safety um, gear that they'd have to wear. I, uh, I would imagine it's too, too much of a risk for most companies to um, encounter that with any of their employees. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. And I, I probably agree with you. Um, Daryl, what have, what have you been hearing? Yeah, much the same as Tony, to be honest, Alistair. I think if you think about ground transportation generally, it's still the, you know, the, the, potentially the biggest area, area of risk. When you speak to ISOS, they identify as, as the biggest area of potential risk because companies will have a travel policy that says four directors can't be on the same plane together, but there's nothing in the policies to stop them jumping in the back of an Uber together. Or in this case, you're getting on a scooter now. Whether you'll see the uh, the chief exec of uh, a large PLC jumping on an e-scooter in Bournemouth, I'm not so sure. But I think in terms of the the idea behind it is sound. I think in, you know trialing and and, and and trying to get us out of combustion engine you know vehicles and onto greener transport is definitely a good thing. But as Tony says, I, I think you know we talked in the, in the, in the last podcast about insurance risk and COVID and, and, and other things, and that was being a blocker to travel. I can't imagine imagine many business travel insurance policies will be encouraging people to jump onto an e-scooter without a helmet on before or after their meeting. And for that matter, before or after having a drink after their meeting. So I think that there's a risk to how somebody would want to use the e-scooter you know, before and after a drink. Uh, and certainly from, a, from a, in all seriousness, from an insurance perspective and a corporate governance and a duty of care perspective, I, I can't necessarily see an e-scooter catching on, but I would, I would encourage any, any move towards greener transport, certainly. Yeah, and I think um, e-scooter usage after a couple of beers is a different podcast altogether, Daryl. Um, but anyway, so, um, but I think with with all these sort of things, there are going to be teething problems. And <clears throat> it's, it's great that these regions and across the world are trialing them because it's a different way for us to get around. And as you said, Daryl, to not use the combustion engine and things will evolve, which is which is really great. A, a bit of a, um, a change in shift now. Um, I want to look at focus on different applications or or, or new upstart companies um, or sorry, startup companies <laughs> that <laughs> that um, could be aiding in this in this current situation we're in um i know i've come across uber we've got uber safe now i know um, from sap concur we've got TripIt pro with some uh safety elements within that and sustainability but um tony have you seen any new companies are you partnering with any really interesting innovative companies that could support your customers uh yes we we certainly like to partner with um a number of organizations through through BCD Solution Source Program, we uh, encourage uh, startups to come and show us their capabilities to see it's something that our corporate clients can take benefit from. And furthermore, there are lots of our own clients who say, we saw this brilliant app or this brilliant uh, system that um, we think might be beneficial for our own organization. Could you have a look at it? Um, so we kind of have our own, if you like, Dragon's Den group of folk who 
uh, will assess the quality of these certain products and services and then bring them on board and then we integrate them into our systems so that clients can use them for their own benefit. Um, but at the same time, we oversee the uh, products and services ourselves and give them kind of a um, an approval rating and also ensure that uh, we kind of manage that for them. So yes, um, there are lots out there. Sadly, because of the current COVID situation, um, a lot of companies have just basically gone on lockdown themselves. Their funds are no longer there. So I think that we've got a situation at the moment where we're treading water uh, when it comes to new organization startups. Um, there are plenty out there that are ready to be relaunched and I will hope uh, that a number of these do survive this crisis and that are able to bring their brilliant ideas to the market because um, you might call them disruptors, but uh, but we, 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 we like to see new entrants coming in with fresh ideas and processes that we can benefit from and then piggyback off, uh, off their brilliant um, uh, products and services because a lot of these are very innovative. I saw one the other day where a lot of voice activated um, models are now being used to uh, use chat and that type of activity to talk to sort of Alexa type uh, processes uh, and get information just by talking to certain things. That's that's something that's certainly being explored. But there's a lot out there um, and we encourage those companies to continue to come up with these uh, fresh ideas because our clients will use them. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Tony. Um, Daryl, um, any view um, for yourself? Have you seen anything really cool? It's honestly not too much more to add to what Tony had to say. As you know, we have our own app, you know, app center ecosystem with lots of app partners from everything from ride sharing to EY who provide advice around compliance in an automated manner. But I think right now, anything that enables really good on-trip messaging between travelers and either their families and friends. So you mentioned TripIt. So, you know, with TripIt Pro, you're able to have your inner circle so you can notify friends or family if you're going to be in a certain location and at least have some communication, you know, subject to rules, arrange to meet up and uh, have some, some drinks or dinner with colleagues or, or family. But really, just right now, anything that makes a traveler feel, you know, connected. Uh, lots of our corporates are talking about having a almost a travel buddy system. So if somebody is going to be traveling, then have a buddy back at base who can at least send you a text or a message and just ask how you're doing. Because as we, as we said, it doesn't have to be an ab the absolute latest app. Right now, I'm more concerned that just people feel connected and in touch so that they don't feel quite so lonely and isolated when they're on those trips. Um. Thanks a lot, both. Uh, we've we've spoken about uh, kind of what customers and partners are are asking you and and the industry as a whole during this pandemic, um, due to due to uh, flights. But what what's both your views on when we get to I know towards the middle to the end of next year when there's a vaccine and when we may see an upshift in uh, in business flights? Um, Tony, I'll I'll come to you first on that one. Well, the information that we're getting at the moment from uh, our corporate client base is that the amount of activity next year is going to range from between 20% and 80% of expected transactions that were uh, handled in 2019. Uh, so 20 is obviously the, the lowest estimate that we've been receiving. Uh, but a lot of that is going to be based upon the um, 
discovery of a vaccine. And I, I'm confident that once that happens, the confidence will quickly return back to the industry and people will feel safe enough to travel, provided they've got a stamp in some form of passport that may be an electronic one. I know IATA are developing something now that will give you a, a, a health passport of sorts that says you've got a, a vaccine um, and that you're clear. Uh, that, that will change things quite rapidly. But in the short term, at least, leading up to that point, whenever that will be, and let's all hope it happens as soon as possible, um, then it's, I suppose you could take an, a mean average of 50% across the board. Um, but it's going to be uh, a very unusual year, 2021. Thanks a lot, Tony. Um, I totally agree that, that um, next year is going to be a, a very interesting one and fingers crossed for it all. Um, Daryl, any, any views from yourself on that? Yeah, thanks, Alistair. And I think just the very fact that we're sharing content electronically like we are today is indicative of the fact that companies and corporations have learned how to replace many, you know, the, the, the daily rigmarole of unnecessary internal meetings you know, face to face with collaborations like this, it can happen with Teams and Zooms quite happily. So I don't think there'll be any move away from this in the medium term. I think this is this will become the new norm in terms of how people collaborate internally within their organisations. And certainly, our travel tool is, is one that's, that enables you to, if you're trying to book travel between, you know, two locations that have a video conferencing suite, you can book the VC suite. There are things we can do to restrict travel for internal meetings. But conversely, as companies seek to you know, tr to rebuild their businesses, 91%, as I, as I mentioned earlier, of respondents in our survey said travel was going to be crucial as they rebuild, rebuild their, their organizations and their businesses. So they will travel, I think, further afield and, 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 and more in terms of going out to win new business and, and, and new contracts. So I think that's the shift away from internal, inter travel for internal needs will, will decrease and, and, and travel for external will, uh, will, will increase. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right, Daryl. Um, just sticking with you a moment, um, I'm keen to uh, talk about the safety of air travel um, and how safe some of the airline, are airlines putting in new protocols and that sort of thing. Any any view from yourself on that? Yeah, I think airlines have worked exceptionally hard to improve their cleanliness and improve their procedures to make sure it's as safe an environment as possible. And actually, the stats in terms of cabin crew and, and, and airline staff who've come down with coronavirus it's exceptionally small. I believe less than one percent, you know, have been affected. Now, airlines are, you know, going above and beyond, in, you know, in terms of demonstrating that. Some in a misguided way. I think we had uh, an airline in Australia offering eight-hour flights around around Australia to and from the same location to demonstrate its cleanliness. That, of course, does nothing for sustainability. Uh, as the Singapore Airlines was inviting people onto its planes to eat lunch and leave again. I'm not sure a, a, a little bun and a <laughs> and a sandwich and some airline food is, is going to encourage people back in the same way that they might expect it to. But on, on a serious note, I think, you know, airlines have, have spent an awful lot of money and time and investment in making sure their planes and ventilation systems are as, as clean as they possibly can be. And I think I would encourage anybody to, you know, that, that, that air travel is safer now than perhaps it's ever been. Yeah. Um, I totally agree. I, I went on a trip to Poland and it was perfectly great with, with British Airways. Uh, but speaking of that, um, Tony, I understand you, you went to Jersey recently. Can you talk a bit about your, your experiences? Yeah, I did. Um, I had a fantastic experience, actually, um, through British Airways, Heathrow to Jersey. Um, 
social distancing was uh, key throughout. They boarded the plane very carefully, row by row, making sure that people weren't accidentally mixing with each other. Um, there was the whole flight was was very well organised, um, sealed food and so on, and people were encouraged obviously to keep their masks on, which they did. Uh, what most impressed me, I think, arrival at Jersey Airport, uh, we had a compulsory COVID test. So they tested everybody that went through the airport. They took all our details and within, tw within 24 hours, uh, we get confirmation of whether you're positive or negative. I was negative, thank goodness. Um, and then um, I was on, on the island of Jersey for um, a week and every single day I would get a text from the local authority to say, are you well or not? And I had to respond every single morning. If I didn't, then I would follow up with another message. If I ignored that, I would be uh, met by someone from the local constabulary. So they had it really on, on point. And I was so impressed that you felt very safe. And on the island of Jersey, I have to say, um, most of the community there didn't have to wear masks because um, most of them had been tested anyway and uh, they'd had uh, minor cases. And to take your point earlier, I, I, I saw an article recently by Delta Airlines. There were one billion air travellers in 2020 and only 44 documented cases of COVID from that one billion number of travellers. Uh, of which all of those were virtually uh, at the beginning of the pandemic when we weren't even wearing masks. So I don't know what the R rate of that is, but it's probably 0.0000000 and an awful more. So well done to the airlines. My experiences were superb. And I think they've done an amazing job in ensuring that at least as far as the travellers are concerned, that they feel safe. Uh, and that they can travel with impunity without worrying about getting infection. So just to um, close things up, as this is the last um, the last podcast in the series, um, I want to get a couple of quick fire things from you both. Um, that what are you most looking forward to um, when you're allowed and able to go back on your first business trip? Um, what are the key differences that you will see? And also, and very um, differently, what would you like to see? So what are you hoping to see and what are you, would you like to see? So, um, Daryl, to you first. Thanks, Alistair. So I think, I think for me, I use, I use that flight and that, and that journey as, as downtime. I think the, the challenge in working virtually over the last year has been that you're always available. The phone's always on, the laptop's always on, you're always connected, and that creates its own pressures from a, from a well-being perspective. So as we start to travel again, I will look forward to switching my phone off, putting my laptop in the overhead storage compartment, and enjoying the trip, enjoying the sensation of flying again. I've certainly missed it. I, you know, I, I love to fly. I love the the sensation. I still feel like a ten year old boy when we take off and land. And so, do you know what? I will next time. The first time I fly anywhere, I will enjoy the experience of flying again. And I think, in terms of what I'd like to see, honestly, is other people to you know to 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 to, have, to, to know that planes are full again, to enjoy chatting with other travellers without a mask. That's that's something I, I'm, I'm I'm aching to get to get back to. Brilliant. And I think everyone can um, can hear that as well and will hope to do that as well. Um, Tony, what about yourself? 
I think uh, Warren Buffett said you'll you can uh, you'll never see eye to eye if you don't meet face to face. So, uh, like Daryl, I'm very keen to get back into busy busier airports um, and into areas where uh, you can re-engage with people and have proper business conversations face to face. I think also as a result of the pandemic, we should be uh, also thankful that the cleanliness in aircraft, the cleanliness in hotels across the world are going to be that much better now um, for everybody concerned. So we're not just talking about um, covering ourselves for the pandemic issues, but also uh, just having a, a cleaner environment in which to travel in, in which to stay in. Um, we've learned a lot through this process. Uh, and I, for one, I always like to hear the words doors to automatic because it, it tells me I'm going somewhere. I love that. I love that, Tony. <clears throat> and that's a that, that's a great point to leave it on. Um, so I think we've, we're nearly up to time now. Um, just one, I want uh, both of you to give me one last comment, or is there something that I haven't asked you that you think is really relevant for the next three months leading up to the end of this year? Um, Daryl, kick off with you. Is there anything you haven't asked me that there's not? I, I think my overriding feeling or, or sense is one of cautious very cautious optimism and what, what i hope what i suppose what i would hope is that some of the large infrastructure and agenda items don't go away as we as we seek to recover and you mentioned brexit as we seek to re-establish ourselves on the global stage we still need a third runway we there, there, there are there are big projects that still need to happen to make sure that uk plc you know is, is able to stand on its own two feet in the world economy. So from a travel perspective, I would hope that some of those larger projects don't go away. You know, yes, it needs to be done in a sustainable way, but I still believe to be a true global player, we need a third runway. We need Crossrail to reopen. We, you know, we need to get on with HS2, all of these different things that in the short term will create jobs and be good for the economy. But actually in terms of ourselves and our nation as a, as, as a traveling community, those things for me still need to happen. Thanks a lot, Darren. That wasn't political at all. Um, over to Tony. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to just cover uh, maybe five things that people should consider over the next few years that will change. That uh, I think we're going to see um, situations where we have to put traveller health and wellness first. That means the airlines have to be clean, the hotels have to be clean. We have to plan for extra journey times. Uh, there's going to be more inconvenience and controls. I think, secondly, there'll be more contactless activity. Uh, we're going to be accelerating the use of non-contact technology, more voice, uh, contactless keys, a cashless society. Um, thirdly, I think, um, you know, more focus on traveller care, the risk and security, which we've talked about. Um, companies looking for health on risk assessments, um, and looking for the one source of truth. Uh, we've certainly seen an increase in fraud, in malware, in virus activity across all of our businesses. That's something that's become very prevalent now. Fourthly, a refocus on sustainability. We covered that earlier. Um, that there will be a shift perhaps more to virtual meetings, as long as you don't say I'm on mute. Um, more rail activity and ensuring that we are sustainable as much as we possibly can and finally be prepared for stop start because we could find that this 
awful pandemic may continue, maybe in other forms. And we're going to have to get used to the fact that we may have local lockdowns either in a city or in a country and get used to one minute we're working normally, next minute we're not. So I think those those top five uh, changes, I think people need just to be aware of. But ultimately, I, I don't think you cannot stay competitive without traveling. So um, one would hope that the travel community, God rest us all, will be will be flying and traveling again very soon. Yeah, um, I couldn't agree more. Thank you for those um, final words. Um, so it just leads me to say thank you so much, Tane McGettrick from BCD for joining us today and also Darren McGarvey from SAP Concur. Um, and thanks everyone for listening to the latest edition of SAP Concur Conversations podcast. Thanks everyone. Thanks, Alistair. Thank you.